Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Ashley. I am part of the teaching team here at Catalyst. Um, so, as you heard in the pre-show, the character that I most relate to is Tia Peppa. Her emotions control the weather, um, but kind of throughout the movie, she really struggles to control her emotions. So, as somebody like Tia Peppa, I want to give you a little bit of insight into what it's like for my husband to uh, live with a Peppa. So I'm part of this coffee group with a couple of Derby friends, and one of them recommended to me um, a book series, and I really enjoy reading books. I listen to audiobooks, and so I start listening to it, and it's four books, but I just like blow through them in like two weeks flat, and I get like really emotionally invested in these characters and in the storyline, and we get to the ending, and I'm like, oh, they're like building it up, and it's great, and then it was like fine. Like, they got the happy ending, but I was, like, so let down by it. And I feel like they kind of, like, fudged the rules of the world a little bit to kind of make it a happy ending. And I was, like, very upset about it. And I mean, if you guys, it doesn't have to be books, right? If you're into TV shows or if you're even movies, um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, they, sometimes the happy ending isn't the best ending, right? So all day, like the day I finished the book, all day I'm, I'm thinking about it and it's just like really churning in me and I'm like just getting more and more upset about it. And my husband comes home and he's like, are you okay? Because <laughs> he sees me and he's like, you are not okay. So I start telling him about the characters and all this stuff and, and how it was a fine ending, but it wasn't like the best ending it could have been and like all this stuff. And like 15 minutes later, I'm sobbing over these book characters and this ending that they didn't get. And my husband's like, okay, okay. So if they had gotten like the more sad ending that you think would have been the better ending, would you be happy then? Well, no. Uh, be but like I like I would have been sad, right? Because like the ending would have been sad, but like not all endings are happy endings, right? So like I wouldn't have been like happy about it, but like I don't know, they just deserve the better ending, right? And he's like, so you realize like they gave you the happy ending. That's like what most people want, right? And I'm like, well, that's not me. So I guess kind of the moral of the story is uh, I just can't enjoy happy endings. Um, <laughs> Now, that's a little bit of a joke, right? Um, but it really gets at this idea about fours, uh, that they just have a lot of really big feelings, and they really don't mind dipping into those feelings and really feeling all of the things. And those big emotions can be a really good thing, and they can also really not be a good thing. Um, so, And you really see that in Encanto with Peppa, right? So Tia Peppa, her mood affects the weather. That's what Mirabelle tells us. And really often, um, she's got a rain cloud around her because she's feeling all of these big things, right? Um, but even when she's happy, there are plenty of times where she's got this rainbow above her because she's really happy and the sun is shining and things are great, right? So some of you who maybe are fours maybe really resonate with this idea, right? Um, of like these big feelings and feeling all of the things. And some of you maybe like don't at all. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, maybe you know a coworker or a friend or somebody who is always kind of like JR so aptly put earlier, um, kind of like Eeyore, um, or just kind of melancholy or just has this like really deep, all these really deep feelings. And maybe for you that's kind of draining. Um, 
because that is definitely a thing. And so today we're going to talk about um, those people, about um, Peppa and the fours of our world. And we're going to find today that much like Peppa finds in Encanto, that Enneagram fours really do have value in spiritual circles. We're going to talk about um, who these people are and like these people, like who seem to live under a rain cloud and what the healthiest versions of them look like and how you who aren't really that, don't have that those deep of emotions, um, and who are maybe very different from the fours, how you can interact with them, how you can love them, how you can grow with them in our spiritual community. So we're going to start by singing and praising our God uh, who has created us all uniquely like the fours or unlike the fours and has brought us into a spiritual community together so that we can learn from one another's strengths and weaknesses. Welcome to Summer at Catalyst. So this year uh, for our summer series, we're going on a quest for spiritual transformation. And in order uh, to do that, uh, we're using um, Encanto the movie, and we're spending our summer with La Familia Madrigal from Encanto. And uh, they're the nine magical madrigals, um, and they correlate with this tool that we've been using um, for spirit spiritual direction called the Enneagram. So on its surface, the Enneagram kind of just looks like any other personality profile, like Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder. And um, the difference is that in the Enneagram, you define yourself as one of nine numbers, um, and that goes on to describe how you interact with the world, kind of like any other um, personality profile. But Ian Cron, he's kind of one of the spiritual directors who writes a lot on the Enneagram, um, he says it like this, personality tests tell you who you really are, the Enneagram tells you who you're really not. So in other words, uh, the Enneagram kind of helps you define what a lot of theologians call your shadow self. And um, it's essentially this persona that we portray and we create that helps us cope with the world. So throughout this series, um, we're investigating each type, um, and they're all each embodied by um, a member of La Familia Madrigal. Um, and so it's kind of allowing us to uh, illustrate those different personas in a really accessible way. Um, and then when we kind of connect that with a person from Encanto, we really dive into scripture and we see how these personas, um, these shadow selves, keep us from being fully who God created us to be. And the end goal is really that we, we come to know our creator better. And we can do that either by learning more about ourselves or, about, uh, or by kind of learning more about God's creation and coming closer um, to that creator. So by the end of the summer, the hope is that we can come together closer as a spiritual family and um, become a source of healing and hope for the community um, and for those around us, just like uh, La Familia Madrigal in Encanto. Uh, so the Enneagram is divided into three kind of triads, right? Uh, we've, we've already explored all of the anger triad. That's eights, nines, and ones. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been in the shame triad. So today is the last um, person of the shame triad. So the first one in uh, the shame triad is Julieta. She's a two. And she externalizes her shame, um, which leads her uh, to be overly helpful, really helpful for those around her because she needs others' approval to feel loved. And that is the motivation. 
So last week, then, Vanessa did a wonderful job introducing us to Louisa the Three. Um, and Louisa, as a three, avoids shame. So she's a shame avoider um, by doing all of this amazing stuff and doing things for other people and all across town. So today is Tia Peppa. Um, and we're investigating um, fours who are shame internalizers. Um, and uh, as I already mentioned, that's Tia Peppa. So what is a four really, right? Fours, like me or like Tia Peppa, are motivated by this feeling that there is something missing from them as a person and they, in their life, have to find it. So because of this, average fours tend to find it like pretty difficult and they really struggle with accepting themselves as they are um, because this feeling, this like, there is something missing from me feeling, kind of seeps into all of their lives, right? How they work, how they interact with relationships, why they pursue certain hobbies, why they decide on the career they decided on. Every piece of it, that's, um, it just, that feeling is um, pervasive. And really often then, this feeling that something is missing leads them to exaggerate their uniqueness and what makes them different because they don't want other people to see how inferior they are, right? So I'm not inferior, even though you might see it because I definitely see it. So I'm going to show you how really unique I am. Um, and in a four with unaddressed trauma, this really looks a lot more like manipulation um, or kind of playing the victim so that um, they can enter into relationships that um, tell them over and over again, no, you're not broken, you're really whole, and it just becomes really, like, kind of toxic. Um, that's fours kind of in a big overarching stroke. They have this really deep well of feelings that kind of swirl and churn within them really often, and they feel those feelings over and over and over. And, you know, like, it's often said as a good um, quote, I think Ian Cron said it, actually, um, that most fours feel the same amount of emotions in one day that most people feel like in a week or two weeks. Um, and that's pretty accurate. <laughs> um, so if you feel this way, if you have these kind of churning emotions that really switch gears a lot, you might be feeling very exposed right now. Well, buckle up because we're just getting deeper from here. <laughs> However, if you don't feel this way, that's fine. Um, we know that there are plenty of people who are not fours, right? You could be any one of the nine numbers. Um, but I want you to think of somebody in your life who you maybe know acts like this, or you can kind of see um, maybe struggles with this. Maybe it's somebody you work with, um, and they're like really draining maybe in their like emotional outbursts, or they're really unreliable in their response to things. So one time you may might say something and they are fine with it. And the next time you say it, it's the exact same thing in the exact same situation. And they're like really angry about it. And you're just like feeling like you have to walk around on eggshells because you don't know how they're going to react, right? Um, that, that kind of sounds like an unhealthy four. Um, and they actually look like this. Ian Cron talks about it. They look like um, fours tend to be manipulative, playing the role of the victim in order to create or maintain relationships. They find themselves lacking when compared to others, which only exacerbates their self-debasement. These fours feel so much shame, they're unable to connect to the very part of themselves 
that believes they can change and be better. On the other hand, average fours, like unhealthy fours sound really bad. Average fours sound like this. Average fours struggle with learning to accept themselves as they are. Such efforts are complicated as they seek their identity by exaggerating their uniqueness. These fours are coy. They want you to want them, but they play hard to get. Their melancholy often goes unchecked, causing painful distance between themselves and others. Average fours are moody, melodramatic, needy, and self-pitying. Okay, so I kind of want to hide under a rock now because I've told you all that I'm a four. Um, but the good news is that fours don't actually have to be this way. In fact, healthy fours are a lot more emotionally insightful, which is really valuable in a spiritual community. And so they look like this. Healthy fours have a considerable emotional range, and they manage it by not speaking or acting on every feeling they have. They know they don't have to be special to win God's unconditional love. These fours have found a way to live, for the most part, outside the pattern of shame and inferiority. They are deeply creative, emotionally honest and connected, and attuned to beauty. So, as I mentioned, fours are a part of the shame triad. So, this essentially means they are motivated by shame. And for fours, it's an internal shame. It's focused inward on themselves. Um, essentially, fours discovered really early on in life that they were different in some fundamental way from their siblings or from their family or from their peers around them. Um, so this may have been, maybe they were physically different. They were smaller in stature than the other kids. Or maybe they enjoyed reading books and kind of spending time alone rather than playing outside with other kids. Um, whereas, you know, the rest of their family was really sociable and stuff like that. This like black, the feeling of being the black sheep, right? Um, ultimately result, results in the core lie that drives the shame and really just drives their whole life, which is there is something wrong or missing from me. So for me, I was always really socially awkward as a kid, and that uh, never really went away. Um, and early on, I kind of realized um, I wanted to do something different with my life. I really wanted to go out into the world, the rest of my family, I felt like, I don't know, didn't wanna do that, and um, I wanted to do my own thing. And so this like deep feeling of this like irredeemable deficiency um, is something that I'm like really accustomed to. I'm very, me and this emotion are good, good friends. It's been with me my whole life. Um, and if I'm not careful, it really can consume me as a person and ultimately lead to what we just talked about with unhealthy fours um, and really overall unhealthy behaviors, right? Like trying to find unique hobbies that I just randomly throw myself into. Like I probably have 15 different hobbies that much to... Um, my husband's annoyance, I have to keep all of the stuff in the house because like, what if I just want to start crocheting an entire blanket today? I have to have all the stuff for it. Um, or in a more negative way, I may play the victim if he says something that I'm like, wow, that was really mean and really hit on my shame trigger or something. And then a larger fight blows up because of something that I was maybe only marginally upset about, but like my feelings just like explode, right? For anyone like who isn't a four, that sounds like not good. <laughs> um, and to all of you, I would say like, buckle up. It's gonna get a little intense for a minute. Um, but to those of you who are fours, are just kind of like, yep, 
that's me. It's not, it's not cute or, or nice or anything like that, but that's, that's me. Um, and to you, to you fours, I would say this. That core lie, that um, there's something wrong or missing from me lie, is not true. And I'm not going to give you this like placating announcement that you're wonderful as you are and you're beautiful inside and out. And that's true, but like as a four, that doesn't, that doesn't feel truthful. It feels like you're just being placating. And I'm not. What I'm telling you is this objective truth. There is nothing missing or broken about you as a person. You are whole as you are sitting here in person or online or listening to it later this week. You are whole as you are right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it. I'm going to say it over and over again. I need you to hold it inside. You fours who, and I mean maybe not fours, maybe, maybe you all need to hear this. Um, you are whole as you are today. There is nothing at all missing or broken about you as a person. You are whole as you are right now today. For all you fours out there, I want to remind you of Ephesians 2.10, which says, For you are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There is nothing missing or broken about you. You were created by God's hands to be exactly who you are, how you are. And now, fours, again, like I said, this is not some placating announcement. This is a really an objective truth that we are reminded of in Scripture really regularly. But I recognize maybe you're not at the place where you can hear that today. And that's okay. I get it. No worries. But we're going to enter into another time of worship. We're going to sing another song. And... I want you to take that verse, that Ephesians 2.10 verse, I want you to take it with you. I want you um, to be reminded of it today, during, while we're singing, after the song, after the sermon, take it with you. And I want you to be reminded of the fact that there is nothing missing or broken about you as a person. So Nathan's going to come up and uh, we're going to sing another song together. Now that we're back, I'm going to remind you again what the core lie of fours is. Maybe you, maybe you remember it, but I'm going to remind you again. There is nothing wrong or missing from me as a person. So for fours, uh, this core lie is what drives our signature sin, which is envy. So uh, this is essentially the way we act because of the core lie that's um, kind of echoing in our brain on an ever-ending loop. Um, so as a four, I am not necessarily envious of what you have as a, like, um, physically, right? I'm not envious of the things you do or the job you have or anything like that. I am envious of this, this authenticity, this comfortability that you have in your skin. Um, and this, this knowledge of how you fit into the world and you're just totally confident and comfortable with that. I literally have never had that in my entire life. <laughs> and so I, that's, that is I've, something I'm very envious of. And the Bible actually talks about something similar in a lot of places, but the first place it really comes up is, not the first place, one of the main places it comes up is uh, in the Ten Commandments. So it, if you'll turn with us to Exodus 20, it says, you must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Exodus, that's Exodus 20, like I said. So this, you must not covet, right? That is the command, right? 
And so it sounds like coveting is like when you act on it, when you actually do the thing. So you covet your neighbor's spouse, so you seek out the relationship and you act on that covetous feeling, right? Um, that acting out, that like cheating on your spouse, obviously, is destructive in its own right. But it kind of sounds like in this verse that that entire, uh, relies entirely on action, right? Um, the problem is that's not really the only thing with coveting, and that is actually not most often what fours struggle with. Um, because here's the reality. If you're sitting at home, right, and you're coveting or you're envious or um, whatever word you want to put there, if you're coveting your neighbor's spouse, right, that's going to be really destructive for your relationship with your spouse um, almost as much, if not more, than actually cheating would be. But as a four, we really often think, well, I'm not, I'm not actually doing anything bad, so it's fine. Like, I'm just, it's fine. It's fine. And I'm going to tell you that's not true. <laughs> Your inner lives really do matter. And envy, which is our signature sin, whether or not you actually act it out, whether or not you actually do it, it still causes external havoc outside of your internal world. Proverbs is another place that actually speaks to this exact idea. It says, uh, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. So if you'll just leave that slide up there for a second, Amanda. Um, here's the problem with envy. It doesn't only affect me whether or not I act on it, right? If I act on it, obviously, it, he, it wreaks havoc on my ex external world, the people around me, right? Um, but if I don't act on it and it's still there, it is like a cancer. It affects my internal world. So these thoughts, these feelings that just over and over on this loop, never ending, um, become really toxic. Um, they're bound by this pervasive lie that is in every piece of my life and every piece of my like being that echoes and echoes and echoes. And it leads to these toxic feelings, which inevitably lead to toxic behaviors, which inevitably I act out on my husband or on my family or on my friends or on total strangers at the supermarket, right? Um, that's what this verse is saying. That's this, this peaceful heart leads to a peaceful body, which leads to a peaceful relationships and a peaceful um, space around me. But jealousy, envy, pervades into everything, resulting in ultimately, you know, death of relationships, right? Like um, burning bridges, toxicity, all of that stuff. Um, and that's, I think, what this verse is really saying. So your internal life leads to, is in a direct result of how your external life is lived, and vice versa. They're connected. And God wants your internal self to be healthy and whole and loving to yourself so that you can be healthy and whole and loving in your relationships. When we first look at this verse, what I think is, well, if you just control your emotions, just put that on lock, then you're going to be healthy, right? That's, that's the way that you're healthy. Um, and I think fours are told that really often. Uh, I know that I uh, have been told that, and something I've told my husband, don't say that to me, is, uh, well, just don't feel that way. Uh, that's not realistic. <laughs> not for fours, and not for anybody if you have this really strong emotion, um, like grief, 
or like anger or something like that. Um, it is when somebody comes at you and says, well, like, just don't be angry. How angry are you that they said that? <laughs> Even more so. And so for fours, that, that is every feeling. Every feeling is that heightened feeling that you, are, that you have, right? Here's the reality for fours, and I think for a lot of people. Our feelings are going to feel things, and they're not going to ask our permission. I'm going to say that again. Our feelings are going to do whatever the heck they want, and they're not going to talk to us about it before they do it, okay? Um, so eliminating your emotions is not a um, realistic option, nor is it the answer for fours at all. Um, really, I think it's more appropriate to say that you discipline your emotions, okay? So what's the difference? Eliminating your emotions says, don't feel that way. Disciplining your emotions says, okay, I understand that I feel this way, but feeling this way is not an accurate representation of reality right now. Um, I understand that I feel this way, but here are all of the reasons why those things that I'm feeling are not true. So fours, this is what you have to learn. When you discipline your thoughts, your actions, and your reactions follow suit, okay? So sometimes you really just have to look at your emotions and say, you're wrong. And you have to remind yourself, here is all of the reasons why your feelings are wrong. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an example, because here's the reality. These uh, emotions are ultimately rooted in this core lie that I have to seek something that is missing from me, right? Here's an example. In my last job, um, it was, it was a good job. Um, my, I was really valuable in the team that I was in. Um, and like a couple months in, I got promoted pretty early on, um, to this higher role and stuff. And every single time my boss sent me an email that said, Hey, I need to talk to you. In my head, I'm like, I'm getting fired every time. It didn't matter that I just did all these really wonderful things in my head. I'm like, I'm getting fired. And there's like, my heart starts pounding and I've got all this anxiety and oh my God, and I'm like, whatever. And then I go in there and she's like, so we're giving you a raise because you're doing so great. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you okay? So that is this, in times like that, I would tell myself, okay, brain, self, that is not happening. First of all, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know why she needs to talk to me. I need to reserve how I'm feeling uh, until I find out what she needs to talk to me about. Here's all of the reasons why I would not be getting fired in this situation. X, Y, and Z, right? Okay? Sometimes you really have to do that because your, your emotions are just like off the cuff. They just happen, and you have no control over them. Like I said, your feelings are going to feel things, um, and they're not going to ask you permission. So how do you learn to do that, right? I've obviously been living with these feelings my entire life and have done a lot of work with therapy and counseling to help me discipline my emotions. So how do you, as somebody who maybe doesn't have that discipline yet, do that? Here's the reality. Everybody can benefit from this, whether you're a four or not. Um, but this is what I would call um, building what I'm going to call affirmations into your life. So these are things that at your core, you need to be reminded of. So I have like three or four things. I have them written on my bathroom mirror. Um, my husband reads them every morning. They don't help him because they're not for him. But um, there are these, um, you need to find in yourself these core um, lies, right? So for fours, maybe it's something is wrong or something's missing from me. And you flip it into a core truth. So 
for that core lie, it would be there is nothing wrong or missing from me. Some of mine are um, you are safe in the relationship you're in um, because I, I have a lot of trauma with relationships. Or um, you are loved as you are. That's another one of mine. So, uh, you know, you have to do some internal work, figure out what those lies are that you're telling yourself. Um, but find a way to repeat them to yourself daily. Maybe you set a reminder on your phone that goes off at 10.32 every day and you read those to yourself. Maybe you... Um, Repeat them to yourself in the car on the way to work and on the way home, just once or twice or whatever, right? Um, these are a tangible way to essentially rewire the way you react to things, okay? Um, it's grounding yourself in a truth um, that is much easier to act on than the painful ways that we act out these really painful truths, the, the um, toxic and manipulative ways we tend to um, act these out. So I really urge you, fours and everybody else, um, find these truths that you desperately need to hear. Put them on a sticky note. Put them on your mirror. Cre create a reminder in your phone. Whatever you need to do to remind, them of, remind yourself of them daily. In addition to that, I think um, adding meditation into your normal routine is equally, if not more, valuable than these affirmations. And I think combining them is a really, really good way to do that. Um, so meditate on some scriptures that speak to these affirmations for 10 or 15 minutes daily. And we've got some pamphlets out there um, on spiritual practices that, that really outline ways that you can build um, these kinds of um, helpful practices into your routine. Uh, and like I said, you can do it in the car on the way to work. You can do it when you're getting ready in the morning. You can do it at night before bed when you're just like laying in bed, thinking about all the crappy stuff that happened today. Like, you know, um, you can, there are so many places where you can just recite these mantras to yourself that really make a difference in, in your, in your life. Um, and there even meta, um, there are even podcasts that really help walk you through meditative practices. There's one called The Daily Disconnect that I really love, um, and I'm sure there are plenty more, you know. So there are lots of ways that you can add meditation and affirmations into your daily routine, fours for you especially, but also for everybody else. You know, I think that's a really valuable thing that is very helpful. So as we enter into a time of communion, I want everybody, I want all of us to remember that fours are driven by this feeling, this thought, this what they think is a true knowledge, that they are irredeemably deficient in some way. This causes this internalized shame, which ultimately leads us to lust after others' easy wholeness about themselves, right? So fours, to you, I'm going to remind you of Ephesians 2.10 that we, that we said earlier. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, and so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. There is nothing missing or broken about you. You are whole as you are today. You have been created by God's hands to be exactly who you are 
and how you are. And only reminding yourself of that over and over and over and over again will help lead you to a healthier version of yourself. So in this time of communion, we tend to do a prayer of examine where I'm essentially going to ask you a couple of questions um, to help you reflect. And uh, I'll give you some time to reflect on those. And then I'll pray and we'll um, receive communion together. Okay, so the first question is, in the last week, how have I submitted my emotions to what I know is true? How in the last week have my emotions led to toxic thoughts or toxic actions? Now, look towards the week ahead. Uh, when in the next week, uh, when might my emotions lead me to toxic thoughts or toxic actions? And finally, how can I submit my emotions to the truth of God's spirit in this coming week? Let's pray. God, you have gathered us today by your Holy Spirit that we might dive deep into the passions you have for us and for your people. You have invited us to know those among us that we call Enneagram Fours, those who are a deep wellspring of passion. We have heard the good news that they and all of us are made in your image and that you regard us as your masterpieces. We confess that we struggle. We struggle to see ourselves as you do. So we come to your table today in faith, and we receive these elements as a gift. And as we do, we ask for the grace to see ourselves as you see us. May we receive your love, and may it, we let it overflow into the world around us. 
So we offer these prayers and we approach your table in the name of your son, Jesus. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, he broke bread and he gave it to them saying, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. And when the meal was finished, he gave them a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink it. And so now we too eat and drink. And as we do, we remember Jesus's death until he returns. So, hey, as we're going, folks, I wanted to uh, say a quick thank you to all of our volunteers, uh, everyone from our greeters to our tech team to our preaching team. Yeah. And uh, Ashley, you already, you already gave some really good advice to the fours. You said that uh, if, if they have identified themselves as a four, then having these daily affirmations, pulling from scripture and meditating on those scriptures is a way to learn to, how do you say, discipline their emotions, yes. right? Which is yeah. really good. So uh, what about the rest of us who are not fours? Right. Uh, maybe say like uh, Jake, right? Who's married to a four, right? Yes. You know, like those people who, who have fours in our lives that we love. What is the best way for the rest of us to love fours well and to yeah. help, help y'all flourish? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing that I would say is um, at this point, I think we all know fours have like a lot of emotions and a lot of really big and very deep emotions. So for everybody who's not a four, I would say um, to those fours in your lives, it's very valuable and it's okay to be honest with them about A, how those feelings affect you. Um, but I will say, don't ask them to stop. I mean, we've already established, don't feel that, doesn't really work for fours or frankly for anybody else. Um, so just be honest with them about how, how their feelings affect you. And it's okay to... Uh, remove yourself from the situation if you need to. Um, I, as a four, give you permission for that. And even if that's a conversation that you need to have with those fours in your life that say, hey, um, I understand you're feeling a lot right now. Um, you know, that what you said was kind of hurtful to me. So I think we're just going to pause this conversation for now and we can come back to it at a time when we're both maybe a little more calm. That is perfectly acceptable. And it's actually really valuable for fours um, to see what they're doing um, internally is actually affecting those around them. Um, the other thing that I would say is when you initiate a connection with them, stay connected with them because, because we internalize our shame. Everything um, is because we are deficient in some way. So if you like start being friends with us and then you just like drop off, which happens and like that's okay. I will say like that happens to everybody, right? I do that as well. Um, but that ultimately comes back as like a, well, they don't like me anymore because I suck as a person and I'm not a whole person. So um, that is the other thing that I'd say just to be aware of maybe when you're interacting with force. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to dismiss with a blessing. So if you all stand with me. Uh, as we're going today, I just want to go back to that uh, verse from Ephesians that Ashley shared with us. Uh, whether we feel it or not, the reality is that we are God's masterpieces and that God has crafted us, created us, and calls us uh, as, as people of beauty. And so uh, today we want to send you into the world that desperately needs to hear that message, um, that we are all loved, that we are all valuable, uh, that God does not make mistakes. And so Catalyst, would you go uh, with that truth echoing in your own ears? And as you go, may you 
be transformed by the overwhelming reckless love of God into people who can share that good news with everyone you meet this week. Go in the grace and peace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we will see you next week.